It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. One of the subjects here on this might get uncomfortable that we love to explore is the nature of social media and how that affects people on a mental level, an emotional level, a level of their self-perception and the ripple effect that that has on human society. In previous episodes, we've gone pretty in-depth on this subject as Whitney and myself have been. We're trying to move away from the word influencers, but it's going to come up a lot in this episode when we tell you, dear listener, what we're going to discuss. But we prefer words like content creator or impactor or other words other than influencer. But by virtue of being, I suppose, in the food and wellness and sustainability industries for well over a decade, we've had a lot of experience in navigating the world of social media, which is one of the reasons why we talk about it so often. So we did a previous episode about the social dilemma last year, which is a documentary on Netflix. And this past week, at the time of this recording, Whitney and I both decided to dive into a new documentary that came out on HBO Max called Fake Famous. And this is a bit of a divergent path that than what was discovered in The Social Dilemma, but it's definitely related in terms of the subject matter. And this documentary, Whitney, I'm still fresh from watching it. I watched it two days ago, and I'm still digesting some of the impressions from it. It's it's not that there was anything that per se blew my mind or shocked me, but it definitely reinforced, I think, a lot of the concerns and critical issues in the lengths that people are willing to go to to get famous, to get attention, to leverage their numbers on social media, to parlay those into brand deals and free vacations. And we're going to cover all those things in this episode when we talk about fake famous. But the thing I suppose, Whitney, to me that has stuck with me more than anything in this documentary. So by the way, anybody who's listening right now, there's going to be massive spoiler alerts because we are going to be dissecting this documentary in great detail. So if you haven't seen it yet, I don't think we're going to spoil it per se. It's not like watching a movie or a, a, it's not like watching Endgame or a Star Wars movie where you're like, don't tell me, don't tell me. But we are going to dissect and get into our analyses and our emotional impressions of what we feel the impact of influencer culture is and some of the behind the scenes mechanics and business practices that are going on that are feeding the illusions that are wrapped up in this industry. So Whitney, the thing that has stuck with me is the statistics they were discussing regarding celebrities and influencers and what percentage of their following are fake. They cover a lot of ground in this documentary around bots. And for the listener, if you don't know what a bot is, it's essentially there are companies out there that are based not only in the US, but in foreign countries that will have coders and programmers creating fake profiles that are run by algorithms and AI that call bots. These are appearing to be actual people that have profiles with pictures of them and their animals and their families, and they look like regular everyday profiles of actual humans, but they're run by programmers and machines that not only you can purchase to increase your following, but you can purchase likes and you can purchase comments and you can purchase engagement. 
And the point of this, they were bringing up Kim Kardashian as an example of many that they estimated by some investigation that up to 50 to 60% of her following are bots are fake. And that this isn't just something that is beholden to the Kardashians, that this is kind of standard practice they were saying with a lot of celebrities in building up their profiles. So the basically this documentary takes three people that have, I guess, smaller followings. I'll put that in air quotes, you know, only a few thousand or a few hundred followers. And the whole documentary is an experiment in making them famous and using these technologies of faking it till you make it really, I think, is essentially what the core message of this is, Whitney, is like they show you the lengths that people are willing to go to and and the money they'll spend and the technology they use to create a completely illusory version of themselves online that has nothing to do with actual reality. And I think the thing that I want to dig into today, Whitney, you know, is how much of this is going on. And that there are people in our industry that we've known of for years that are doing this. So I personally am glad that this documentary came out to maybe have a more mainstream conversation with average people, but it doesn't really solve the issue. It doesn't really solve anything because if you spend the money and you have the budget, you can create an extremely convincing online persona of yourself that the average person or even brands aren't going to realize is fake. So the thing is, I love the message of this documentary. But I don't think it offered any solutions on how to combat this. Did you feel that way? Because I don't really feel like the takeaways from it, it didn't offer any ways we can combat this. It's sort of like, oh, well, maybe if you have a moral compass or you have some ethical standards, you won't do this. As, again, spoiler alert, one of the people profiled in this movie at the end of it said she didn't really feel comfortable or like it was okay to keep doing this. But other than a person perhaps cultivating a different moral or ethical standard for themselves, there's really no way I feel like we can stop this of people buying followers and creating fake profiles and, and creating a complete illusion of what they are. I don't know that there is, is any stopping this. And furthermore, does anybody even give a shit to stop it? Does anyone care enough to stop it? You know, and the other part of it too was, was there was a gentleman they interviewed who owns and runs a company that specializes in creating and maintaining these fake profiles, these bots. And he was saying that he, you know, what was he grossing? Like something like $3 million a month. And he was saying some of these companies are making upwards of tens of millions of dollars a month by creating and maintaining and offering these fake profiles, these bots for people to buy and leverage. So, you know, we could say we want this to stop, but there's too much money in it to stop. Who wants to stop it? You know, that's really the big issue here is like, it's not going to stop because there's too much money involved. Yeah. And it's probably true. When I was watching and when I finished watching this documentary, I stepped back to reflect more on my involvement in all of this because so much of my life has been about social media for the past 12 years or so. You know, I've worked as a content creator, aka an influencer. I've advised people on social media strategies and I continue to do that. I really love social media, as I've talked about before on this show. But when I see things like this, it gives me a lot of pause because I think the psychological ripple effects of this are potentially really dangerous for us. And they probably are, are harming our mental health in ways that we might not even fully understand yet. You know, and that was the subject matter of the social dilemma. And so when you take a deeper dive into the influencer world, I find it disturbing because, as you mentioned, Jason, I've always been 
frustrated with people who fake it. And I think there's part of me that like hate watches things like this because it's like, this is so irritating. And and to see the statistics on it is further irritating because you recognize how much of this is fake. And I, I think it irritates me for a few reasons. One, it's actually been a interest of mine for as long as I can remember. I've been very frustrated with fakeness. I remember actually when I was in film school, I would would write down all of these concepts for the scripts that I was writing, and they often revolved around realness. And so this is a subject matter that I think is really close to home for me, and I haven't fully dug into the origins of it. But I know that I would get irritated by things like popularity and people getting rewarded for being superficial. I would get irritated by people cheating. I would get irritated by anything that felt like it was too contrived. And I think in film school, I was really interested in writing scripts that were based on real stories, you know? And it's interesting because I didn't have a massive passion for documentary filmmaking. I really wanted to do narrative filmmaking, which was often fictional, but I wanted that to come from a, a real place. And as I exited the film industry and then started the work that I do now, it does feel more real in a lot of ways. But then you look behind the curtain and you wonder, like, is what feels real actually real or is it all designed to be real but not actually real? <laughs> and the other level of this that irritates me is that it affects those of us who have been working really hard to be authentic and organic and real, you know, those of us who work really hard to build a community from scratch and from a place of trying to find other words to use that I haven't used here, but a place of truth, you know, I'm not interested in buying followers. And I think what's interesting about Fake Famous is it did point out some reasons I hadn't fully considered, I suppose, for the the fakeness. You know, it's like, okay, like maybe it's temporary. You know, I actually had a conversation with a client recently and they were talking about buying followers. And I remember thinking, gosh, actually, the reason for them doing it makes some sense because in this moment, I'm completely blanking on on what their reason was. But I remember thinking, oh, I never really thought about buying, you know, buying followers for that reason. And I I think some people do it very genuine. Like, you know, I was dating a guy years ago that was an actor and he bought followers for one of the reasons that's highlighted in the movie, because he was finding that casting agents would give priority to actors with a certain following. And so I can understand how in that industry, it is beneficial, but it is a shortcut and it is cheating, right? It is fake. And it really hurts this industry because we start to lose sight of what's real and what's fake. And that that compromises our integrity. And it also gives a benefit to people who are faking it and takes away from the people that who are doing it from an authentic place. And that's, I think, what's ultimately made it really challenging. It's like also it almost in some ways feels like it's leveling out the playing field, but not really at the same time. It's like, oh, well, everybody now has access to big numbers if they have money to buy them. However, then it skews the entire industry. You know, it, it makes it harder for people that either don't have the money to buy followers or who who don't feel like that's worth compromising their integrity for, like myself. And then 
people will question whether your followers are real. I mean, this dates back pretty far for me. I think I was at a conference in 2013, and there was this one content creator back then who had a really large Twitter following. And behind the scenes of this conference, there was so much gossip around that one person because I think many of us were so irritated that this person had bought them and you were able to go and run their username through a system that showed what percentage of followers were real. And everyone was outraged. So this is eight years ago and that had already been happening in the industry. And that was before Instagram really picked up speed. And it was it's interesting now to see this documentary because here we are eight years later and it's happening. So it might actually continue to happen. And my curiosity is... How long will this go on for and what ripple effects will it have? Are we moving towards a future where everybody is faking it? I mean, if you look at faking things, like you can attribute that to so much of our lives. You can fake your appearance digitally very easily. I mean, deep fakes are a big concern now. Every once in a while, I step back and think like somebody could easily take my identity and use it and everyone would believe it was me. And that can lead to destroying your career, destroying your reputation. I mean, that's terrifying. There's a lot of deep fakes happening in pornography now, and that can ruin somebody's life in some ways and may even lead them to a very dark, dangerous place. So I do think, sadly, a lot of this will be happening because of the access that we have for technology and because there's like some deep human desire to find a shortcut. And I think that's ultimately what this is about. If we look at it from like a survival standpoint, we have designed a society that is placing so much emphasis on status and human beings now feel like, oh, I can achieve the status I want completely by faking it instead of taking the long road because the the path I've been on has either been taking way too long or it doesn't even feel possible. But you're telling me that I can become famous overnight simply by changing my appearance or buying followers or having the right clothes, knowing the right people, all of these little shortcuts that in some ways most of us do. And I actually felt like after watching that movie that not only do I want to shift the way that I do things online, for instance, like this year in 2021 and also towards the end of 2020, I've, I've been really working on not using filters and posting pictures of myself that weren't edited because for years I used to do that stuff. And it, it was acceptable because a lot of people do that. A lot of people use filters. I was on an Instagram live earlier today and I thought about it. I was like, should I use a filter? And I thought, no, I just don't feel right about it. There's two levels. A, I don't want to fake my appearance and B, like I feel kind of embarrassed about using filters because it's like if somebody can tell you're using a filter, you're basically advertising that you're faking it or you're insecure or something, right? Like that doesn't feel right for me. And the person I was with, I think, was using a filter. And I remember afterwards thinking like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to look less attractive because I wasn't using a filter? But you know what? I'm at a point where I'd rather be perceived as less than somebody than be perceived as fake. And that I think this documentary made very clear. And then secondly, I really want to start working with people like my clients that I advise on social media who don't want to do the fake stuff, who aren't obsessed with the metrics. I want to guide people towards more authenticity in my work because I don't uh, align with people that are in it for the status and the fame. It's just not something I want to be part of. I'm curious to get uncomfortable for a second for both of us. 
other than the filter usage, Whitney, are there any other ways that you feel like you have been, for lack of a better word, complicit in this whole game? I mean, other than filter usage, have you been really like looking at the types of content you're posting or the kind of copy you write in the captions? I'm curious in this self-examination, this self-awareness you're cultivating, what are some other things that have come up for you? Because I want to hear from you so that I can start to examine maybe in some ways how I'm also complicit in this game. Maybe more subtly, because we haven't bought followers, but in subtle ways, by you and I having been in this industry for 12 years, we are complicit in certain ways. And I'm curious what other things have come up for you other than using filters to alter your appearance. Well, actually, the roots of Wellevator, our brand that this podcast is part of, you and I initially, Jason, were supporting other content creators and business owners and trying to help them do it from a more authentic but also impactful way. You know, and I love that you have chosen to embrace the word impactor. I also feel like impactor and influencer are not that different from each other. I think it, it's just like ultimately saying the same thing, but maybe less of an icky feeling because not everybody enjoys the term influencer anymore, including myself. So you and I were focused on that with Wellevator at the beginning. And then I remember when we did that speaking appearance towards the beginning of Wellevator where we were pointing out these things about how the facial expressions people use. In fact, for the listener, in our free resources section, you can see a whole series that we did on social media. One of the videos in that series was about or is about being more authentic on social media. So We've been passionate about this for many years now. And of course, previous to that too. But I remember one of the things that we hit upon was just all these poses that people do, you know? And I personally, I don't resonate with certain facial expressions that people use. Like the, you know, the, the cliche lip pucker, the cliche mouth wide open with the teeth bearing, uh, you know, certain stances. And and absolutely, I've been complicit in it. And you have too, Jason. And there's evidence of it online. And I think about that when I post pictures. I think about the times that I've edited photos and think like, it's really rough because we are often rewarded for our appearances. So we feel like if we can pose in a certain way that makes us look better, if we can use angles and lighting and filters and editing tools to make ourselves look the way that we really want to look, that we will be rewarded for it. But as I said, I don't really want to be rewarded for being something other than my true self. And it's tricky because it feels very vulnerable. You know, it feels vulnerable to not wear makeup or not do my hair a certain way or not use it, you know, on and on all of these different techniques that we utilize. And I think it only feels vulnerable because I'm used to it and I see other people doing it. And I'm afraid that if I don't do it too, then I won't fit in. I'll be ostracized. I won't get the rewards that I'm seeking. And, you know, this even reminds me of of a conversation I had with someone yesterday in Clubhouse who was talking about the keto diet. And she admitted openly that she's afraid of no longer doing the keto diet because she doesn't want to put the weight back on. And I was reflecting on that thinking like, there is so much fear around weight and all these other elements of appearance like that we are doing everything in our, our power to control our bodies and the way other people perceive them. And I'm disturbed by that, you know? 
I think this influencer marketing side of things is just a, another offshoot of capitalism and marketing and, and the way that we've each been conditioned to believe that we're not good enough. And then we see everybody else doing things a certain way. And we, we maybe deep down don't want to do things that way, but we do them that way because we want to fit in and we want to get the results or we want to stand out, you know? And I just have started to feel more and more uncomfortable with it and constantly examining not only my role in it, as I said, but like, how am I perpetuating this through, through my work as, as an advisor, coach, and consultant? And it's tricky because then you wonder like, oh, are people not going to hire me if I don't do these certain strategies or whatever? And, and again, like every time I have those thoughts, I have to check myself and realize like, Deep down, I would rather be struggling financially and integrity with myself than thriving financially and out of integrity. And that feeling comes up for me every time I see something like this documentary because it triggers me. It triggers me to think this doesn't feel right. And that's your gut instinct. I mean, and some people, do, it does feel right for and My aim is not to judge or shame. It's just not right for me. It doesn't feel good to me. And I encourage people to reflect, like, does it actually feel good to you if you're participating in this? And even if you're not participating, does it feel good to you to follow people who are operating from that place? You know, I'm curious what will happen over time. Like, will people like the Kardashians continue to be so influential? Because if, as long as they are, they are all per- perpetuating fake standards of beauty and success, to your point, Jason. There are elements of them that are impressive. I personally don't have anything like, I'm not against the Kardashians, but certainly they have done things that are impressive. You know, they have, they've had long careers. They are hard workers. They are entrepreneurs. Like I think the Kardashians have each done a lot of very impressive things, but they represent as a whole, a lot of fake and superficial living and status that other people are trying to achieve. And so as long as that family is dominating social media and media in general, like it's representing the, the rest of the country and the world that idolizes that and wants to do that too. One of the things, Whitney, that I found disturbing isn't the right word, but it's the only word that comes to mind right now, was how easily accessible these fake scenarios were for influencers to access. There's a segment in the documentary where one of the three influencers that they take in this experiment of making famous, they take him to a basically a soundstage that is set up to appear like a private jet. And in one other segment, an acquaintance of ours takes one of the other influencers and they rent a mansion for $600 a day, like a gorgeous Los Angeles palatial mansion for $600 a day. And you know, you can go rent a Lamborghini or a McLaren or Bugatti for $1,000 a day. So for a very small budget, reasonably speaking, one could do a photo shoot in a fake private jet cabin. One could rent a Lamborghini for a day or a McLaren or Bugatti and do a photo shoot with the car. There are jewelry rentals where you can rent platinum and gold jewelry. And there are agencies that you can hire to basically create a fake image of yourself. And, you know, it colors so much, you know, and, and, and I laugh because because like in the 80s and 90s, do you remember those infomercials, Whitney, that were on when we were kids of like, oh God, what was his name? There's a guy that comes to mind that I remember he was an Asian American guy who was on like a yacht and he was surrounded by like bikini women and he was like, hey, 
found out how I made millions of dollars. And he's on this yacht with all these bikini women. There were these infomercials in the 80s and 90s of guys like him. And I can't remember his name. I I don't want to Google it in real time. But I just remember as a kid that the idea of shysterism and the idea of faking it and the idea of using image to sell products and the idea of someone becoming a millionaire, teaching other people how to become a millionaire. This is a bullshit scheme that's been going on for decades. This is nothing new. So this whole idea of people faking their image and people purporting something that they are not to sell products or courses or get sponsorship. I mean, what we're experiencing, it's on a scale we've never seen though. That's the thing. Because back in the day, you had to have a significant amount of money to buy infomercial time, right? That wasn't a thing that you could just go on the internet and pay a thousand dollars to get 50,000 followers. Like you can do that now for a few hundred dollars. You can go on and buy 50,000 followers overnight. That didn't exist. The access and the ease of that didn't exist back then. But the concept of people bullshitting their way to success and faking it till they make it, this is nothing new. This has been something that I would imagine in the pantheon of human society and hierarchy has been going on since the dawn of time. I mean, goes to what you were saying, Whitney, which is is knowing that people will be rewarded for this. And in the documentary, we saw small snippets of this. We saw one of the influencers getting free jewelry and free clothing and being taken on lavish, fully expensive paid trips to do photo shoots and promote fashion brands. We saw another one who was faking being at a private gym and then getting an invite from an actual celebrity private gym to go train there for free. So if people understand that through fame and popularity, they get access and power, they're going to keep doing it. Because we see it all the time. I mean, Whitney, you and I have been at events or dinners or gatherings where we will see famous people getting preferential treatment. You see it at restaurants. You see it at events. You see it in every capacity of witnessing, especially in places like LA and New York, famous people getting pushed to the front of the line, famous people getting their dinners comped, famous people getting free shit. I mean, I've told this story, you know, about Joe Manganiello on the podcast many episodes ago, but you know, he echoed it. He's like, when I, when I moved out to LA from Pittsburgh and I was a nobody, nobody wanted to give me shit. But now that everyone knows who I am and I'm married to Sofia Vergara and blah, blah, people throw free cars at me, free clothes, free dinners. That's why people do it. They know that through fame and popularity, they will get a higher recognition and they will be treated differently in our society. They will flat out. That's it. They'll make more money. They'll get more opportunities. They'll get more auditions. They'll get free shit. They'll get preferential treatment. They'll get. And look, if we talk about our complicity, Whitney, how many meals over the years have you and I had comped? Like you and I have literally just to, and I'm not throwing you and I under the bus, just being real about it. Like you and I get sent free stuff all the time. And I suppose in the pecking order of this whole system, we're whatever micro influencers or whatever bullshit term they use now. Right, We're not on the level of millions of followers, but you and I still, we get comped meals. We've had free trips. We've had stuff sent to us. We continue to do that. So in a way, you know, we're not doing it through being fake, but we are taking advantage of a system that rewards popularity. We are. And there are levels. I mean, there are many, many levels beyond what you and I are doing where like, yeah, I remember years ago when I was personal chefing for Jeremy Piven. And we were talking cars because he's into cars and we kind of you know bonded a little bit over that. And I was asking him about his Audi and he's like, oh yeah, they gave me this car. And I was like, Audi just gave you a car. He was driving like an S5 convertible. And I'm like, 
wow. But that's the level. It's at that level. You know what I'm saying? Whereas like in this documentary, you know, you're talking about Kim Kardashian where she'll charge, what did they say? A minimum of $500,000 for one Instagram post, half a million dollars for one post. And to piggyback on that for a second, since we're talking about how the system is set up to reward people for fame and popularity and why people are so desperate and hungry for it, you know, there was that other social media marketing manager that said that she had paid an influencer once $80,000 for one post and two tweets. And you and I have acquaintance of ours who's a entertainment lawyer who he told me once in confidence during a meeting, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I paid blah, 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 so-and-so 50 grand for one post. So this is why people are so desperate and hungry and are willing to do whatever it takes to get there because hell, who doesn't want to make 50, 80, 500,000, you know, dollars per post shit, but what are you doing to get there? And what are you compromising ethically? And is it a matter of the end justifying the means, Whitney, where someone can say, yeah, I'm buying followers. Yeah. You know, I paid, you know, $80,000 for these bots, but I know that I'm going to be making 80,000 per post. So it's worth the money. It's like the end justifying the means, but I don't believe in that. I don't believe in the end justifying the means if it means that you're faking your way to the top, but it is fucking frustrating to your point, Whitney. It's fucking frustrating when you put your heart and your soul and you're trying to be as real as you can with the self-awareness you've cultivated and you see colleagues of yours who all of a sudden, you know, it's like, whoa, how did they get to that place? It's defeating and disconcerting at times because you see people getting rewarded for this behavior. And, you know, the thing that I realize though, Whitney, is on a pragmatic level, and I want to speak about this from a perspective of a brand or a company who wants to hire an influencer, because you, you and I have been on both sides. You know, we've promoted brands. We continue to promote brands that we believe in and we use. That's actually a standard that, that Whitney and I have is like, if we use something and we've had it and we've experienced it, we can speak from a place of truth because we've experienced the product, right? Now, in the past, have I represented brands personally that I didn't agree with for money? I absolutely have. So talking about being complicit, there's a couple brands that come to mind that my gut said not to do it. And I did it anyway because I wanted the money. Just being totally real about it. But the thing is, you can fake likes, you can fake comments, you can fake followers, you can fake an image. But you know what you, I was going to say, you can fake the thing I'm about to say, but it's more difficult. You can't fake sales conversion, right? So here's the thing. We know people who have leveraged fake followers and bots and image to get millions of followers. But there's one person that comes to mind. They got a huge book deal. They came out with the book. And then when you look at the reviews and the comments of which I believe reviews, okay, on Amazon, as an example, are pretty indicative of how well a book is sold, generally speaking. For the millions and millions of followers this person has, there were barely any reviews of this book that came out years ago. So when I say you can't fake sales, you can fake all this bullshit. But when it comes down to it, if you have a brand that's giving you a ton of money and expects a certain number of sales based on how they perceive your following and you don't convert and you don't sell, you have the potential of damaging your brand and damaging your image. But that's another thing. You can fake that too because we know <laughs> there's so much bullshit we know in this fucking industry. I'm sorry I'm swearing so much, but there's so much fucking bullshit that goes on. There's a person who is not as prominent now, but was really prominent about eight years ago in the wellness industry. And she went out and she actually paid 
hundreds of people to go to Barnes and Nobles and Borders when it was still open and independent bookstores and buy her books so that she would be guaranteed a spot on the New York Times bestseller list. She spent tens of thousands of dollars. I know this for a fact. She spent tens of thousands of dollars to land on the New York Times bestseller list So because she knew that she could leverage that to get more money as a speaker, as an author for her next book, for live TV appearances. So you can game that system too. And this is frustrating. We go back to it because if you can buy your way to success and you can game the system and go on Craigslist and post, hey, I need 500 people to go buy my book and I'm going to pay you guys $50 each to do it. You can fucking game anything. And that's the frustrating part. If you're dedicated to trying to be authentic and truthful and you see people bullshitting and paying their way to the top because they have the money to do it, it can feel really defeating. And I do feel sometimes really defeated by it, Whitney. It's one of the reasons why I want to pull the plug on the whole thing sometimes. I do. Because I'm like, what's the point? Everyone's just paying their way to get to the top. What else is new? I think that's really relatable. And I'm sure some of the listeners feel the same way. And it's hard to talk about these things because we often feel like we're alone and there's shame in it and there's guilt for participating in it. You know, I mean, from my standpoint, we can't change the past. So we have to be present and think about what we want to do now. And we don't have control over other people. And I think sometimes it gets really frustrating. I mean, you can look at any cause. You can look at any challenge that we have as a society, whether that's racism or the environment or politics or all of these things that really take a lot of people to be on the same page with to make a change. And it can feel really defeating. It can feel hopeless when we personally work really hard and take a stand on something and it feels like the changes aren't happening fast enough. And, and a lot of the times we feel like we're going in, in a worse direction. And I think that can lead to us feeling sad and hopeless and frustrated and angry and resentful and all those different emotions that come up. Generally after or sometimes even before I go through those emotions, I get to a place of thinking like, okay, well, what can I do? Like what small step can I take to contribute in a positive way? And sometimes it actually works in, in your benefit and achieves your goal of standing out because sometimes you stand out because you're not like everybody else. So there is that advantage, you know, as I go through different phases of my life, things become more important. And I, one thing I reflect a lot of, uh, on is how a lot of this influencer culture is dominated by younger people. And I think that many of us go through a phase in, in our teens and our 20s where we just want to be validated. We want to be important. We want to be famous. We want, I mean, I remember as a teenager and a preteen, like I wanted to be an actress and I wanted to be famous. And it was like, that was just so important to me. And every day I would think about it. And I grew up in a small town. I didn't have social media or YouTube or any of these outlets that teenagers have now. And I imagine that it's really intense for these teenagers because not only are they probably going through the same emotions that you and I did as, as kids, Jason, but they're presented with opportunities that you and I didn't have. And that actually might make things worse because they see kids their age becoming incredibly successful, just like we did. I mean, we had 
child stars and all of that growing up. And we thought, oh, like if so-and-so can do it, so can I. And I remember thinking like, I just need to get into acting and have an agent and, you know, going down this whole path of interest in that world. But it felt really challenging. Today, we hear stories of people being discovered on platforms like YouTube and TikTok and on and on. So it feels within our control in a new way. And so now these kids who, as in the documentary talked about, like such a high percentage of them, their dreams for their careers are to be influencers because they see how flashy this life is. You know, I mean, you brought up, Jason, so many examples. Like you and I went on a cruise for free in exchange for our influence. I had a car for however many months, six to nine months for free because of my influence. I've received so many things over the years because of my social media presence. Now, granted, I've mostly looked at that as marketing tools. And I do think there was a fair exchange in most cases happening because the cruise, for example, you and I spoke on the cruise and we are professional speakers. So we're bringing a value beyond our numbers. Doing the car, like I'm creating video content because I, I went to film school and I have a whole background in film production. So the videos I make are perhaps even more valuable than the influence, especially that I had back then. So I try to look at it as not like the number side of things. I try to share like my experience and my talents, my skills, the things that I'm producing are far more valuable than my influence. But I think what most people see is the numbers. And there's so much emphasis on that. So again, these teenagers and kids of all ages, I mean, even much younger are seeing people get free things and free experiences and get rewarded socially for their status and their appearance. And they're, you know, they're getting money for it. And it sounds really great and easy. One thing I think Fake Famous did a good job at is showing that this isn't easy. It's a lot of work. I, I love that segment in the movie where they go on that road trip and they're in Vegas and the girl in the documentary is saying, looking around at the influencers and she's like, hey, it sounds really cool to do this full time, but these girls are working really hard. You see them on their computers and they're, they're taking the business cards and strategizing. I mean, I've been there. It's a, it's a lot of work. And I actually feel like my numbers aren't super high because a lot of times I wasn't willing to put in that work. You know, I'm not willing to work on my Instagram and YouTube accounts on and on for 20 hours a day. Like literally some people do. Some people literally are working for 20 hours and sleeping for four hours and they are sacrificing everything in order to make it. At what cost though? (laughs) After being in this world for so long, I guess what you and I can share with other people who are interested in being influencers is that it is draining. It can lead to anxiety and depression and burnout. I've seen more influencers than I could count who have ended up in really bad mental places because of the pressure, because of the depression that comes along with reaching these high numbers and still feeling empty, right? That's not talked about nearly enough. We see all of the perks of influencer marketing, but we don't focus on the drawbacks of it. The mental health side of this is is really daunting. And I think over time, we will see more and more people talking about it, just like There are a lot of studies coming out about child actors. There are documentaries about that too. In fact, one came out in the past year. I forget what it was called, but a child actor made a documentary about the impact that being a celebrity at a very young age had on their life. You know, you see drug addicts, you see people going to rehab at young ages, and you see people doing harm to their bodies. I actually just watched 
Another documentary about Britney Spears, the New York Times did one on her recently. And same thing. Like this documentary did such a great job at laying out Britney Spears' whole history. And you see this sweet, talented little girl transform into a 30-something-year-old, maybe she's 40 now, I don't know exactly, but late 30s, early 40-year-old woman, and all of the shit that she went through that basically sucked away her soul, as far as we can tell. And it's really sad. Seeing something like that makes me grateful that I didn't have that path. Because when I was growing up, myself and many girls my age like thought that Britney Spears was the be all end all you know and girls right now they see all these big influencers and celebrities and they think they're like the most incredible thing and they look up to them they want to be them they want the career and they they create their Instagram accounts and their YouTube channels and on and on and on without realizing what happens after 10 20 30 years of being in that industry and in some ways you're doing a deal with the devil because there are are really terrifying people in these worlds too. And I think that's the other triggering side of this, Jason. There are so many people in these worlds, both on the media celebrity side and the influencer celebrity side. You and I come across them all the time. I get emails almost every single day of someone wanting me to use me basically for something or another. You know, hey, create this video and you'll get our products and we'll give you publicity or we'll give you free things if you only just spend 10 hours slaving away on a video using all of your talents that you paid good money for in film school. You know what I mean? Like the things that people want me to do to take advantage of all my hard work and all of this community. And to your point, Jason, I often step back and think this isn't just about me. This is about the integrity that I've created for our podcast listeners, for the people on Instagram that I truly care about, for the viewers on YouTube, on TikTok. I'm not there to see, like, I don't want them to just be a number. That to me is the other side of this that we don't play so much time on. Like, if I'm going to play all these games and maybe in a way it feels ethically easier to have bots, Jason, because you know you're advertising to fake people. But when you recognize that the people behind your following are real people with real emotions who follow you because there's something within you that they either aspire to be or they admire or they relate with, the mental impact that you place on them when you're constantly advertising to them and manipulating them to try to get them to like the things that you do and follow it and to place purchases. Like that was the other thing. And the final thing I'll touch upon in this documentary is that Fake Famous talks about how influencers are just the part of the marketing machine. And so we play a major role in capitalism, trying to get people to do things. In a way, are we just puppets in the influencer world that the big brands are controlling by paying them money and giving them products? saying, hey, like we'll entice you with this thing that you want so that we can reach your audience. I would rather have bots than that case. And maybe that was part of my point earlier. It's like, if it's just a numbers game, maybe bots are a better way to go because I don't want to be part of manipulating other people just, just so that I can get somebody else more money. I loved Justine Bateman in this documentary because I feel like even though she wasn't prominently featured the things that she said were really poignant. And one of the things that kind of cut deep for me with one of the many gold nuggets she dropped of wisdom was that to paraphrase what she said, it's like, you're not actually like an artist. You're not like a famous person who's being rewarded for your talent and your time and working on your craft for years and years and years. She said a lot of these influencers are essentially infomercial hosts. 
That's the terminology she used. You're pitch people. You're a brand pitch person. You're an infomercial host. And you know what, Whitney? I feel like a lot of my career, I've been that. And I'm not using it as an opportunity to beat myself up, but I feel sad about it. I feel sad about it because I feel like in some ways that a lot of people in our industry, and this is by virtue of how I've chosen to be, right? They want me to just shill products. They want me to be a pitch man. They want me to be like, hey guys, this thing can wipe up 10 times more water. Look at how it works. Like I'm just a modified fucking pitch person. And you know what? I don't want to be that anymore. I've done it so much. And again, I'm not doing this to be hard on myself, but to your point and to what Justine Bateman said in this documentary, it's kind of right. It's it's pretty much on point. Most influencers are just marketing ambassadors for brands to sell shit. And it's not that I haven't believed in the things that I've sold, but I think there's been a reductive effect of, oh, he's fun and he's great on camera and he's entertaining and he's the fun guy. Yeah, have him sell the blender, have him sell the protein powder, have him sell the blah, blah, blah. And honestly, in certain ways, I have felt kind of like an infomercial host. And that's of my own doing. That's of my own choosing. But legit, I don't feel good about it anymore. It's not interesting. It's not creative. It's like, even when I do like believe in a product, I still feel to your point kind of icky about it because I'm just a cog in the marketing machine. And I don't know that we can get around marketing and commerce. I mean, it's so embedded in the capitalist system, Whitney, that I think what I'm saying is we explore this, there's got to be a better way to do it. I don't know what that is in this moment, but I, like you, am taking a critical look at how I want to move forward and how I want to present myself. And in many ways, the ways that I have been presenting myself and the way that I have been doing business, I don't want to do it anymore. My heart, my heart's not in it. It doesn't feel good to me anymore in certain ways. So I think this is all food for thought, this examination, all these documentaries that are coming out, all the the mental health studies that are coming out around social media and influencer culture and I think this is something we need to take really seriously and we need to ask ourselves really critical questions of how are we complicit in this? How are we feeding the machine? Is what we're contributing good ultimately or is it just, you know, fodder for a system that isn't really benefiting people in the long run? These are the deeper questions we need to ask ourselves and for you dear listener, we want to hear from you always, especially when we're getting into deeper, I suppose ramifications of how these things work on society, we always love to hear from you. So if you have any thoughts on influencer culture or how social media is affecting us or any of the subjects we talked about, we love to get personal emails. And our email to reach Whitney and myself is uh, hello at wellevator.com. And you can also go to our website for that video series that Whitney previously mentioned in this episode about how to have more heartful, authentic presence on social media. That's in the free resources section on our website, which is wellevator.com. That's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com, where you can find the show notes for this episode. You can find a link to the documentary and any of the resources we mentioned in this episode. But we really do want to continue this conversation, whether that's through email, whether that's commenting on the show notes, or whether that's on social media. We do get DMs through uh, things like Instagram. We just want to hear from you and any ways that maybe we can show up for this conversation in a more honest, open, heartfelt, authentic way and maybe start to steer the boat in a different direction. Because the direction that all this is going, I personally don't feel great about and I want to figure out how to do it differently. So that's all of us as a collective community having that conversation. And if you also feel like this boat is not headed in a great direction, we want to hear some solutions from you too, so we can discuss. So we love you. We appreciate you going into these deep conversations with us because they're extremely meaningful to Whitney and I, and we hope they're meaningful to you too. So thanks for getting uncomfortable with us. 
Thanks for being open to a lot of the stuff Whitney and I had to share today. And we'll be back again with another episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.